0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: TickPick should be your first choice to buy basketball tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees, ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Laker Film Room Podcast and BlueWire Network.
0: What do you think about the Laker team now? you follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment.
2: I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct.
1: What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And the Lakers lost in Milwaukee yesterday. But as frustrated as I was after the Chicago game, I thought the Milwaukee game was, or at least has the potential to be a a great stepping stone for the team. I want to start with just the very first play of the game on offense, because a lot of my enthusiasm is built around the performances of Russell Westbrook and Taylor Horton Tucker in yesterday's game. And both guys are great pressure on the rim guys. We've talked about that so much in the theoretical and seeing space opened up for them more and more in yesterday's game was one of the things that I was really excited about, along with I thought our transition attack in terms of uh, like THT up the wing, it's not transition points, but it's like early offense. Anyway, I was really happy with our driving lanes and our ability to get to the rim. Very first play of the game, D, the ATO runs some false action out of a 1-4 high set, the old UCLA cut set, right? that Luke used to run that in LeBron's first season here. Run some false action out of that, and then clears open a ball screen in the middle of the floor with AD and... Russ getting downhill and Giannis is the guy that's got two in this situation and so Giannis makes a defensive player of the year caliber play where he kind of gobbles up Russ and takes away the passing angle as well forces a turnover but it wasn't a an 18 second play for a cross screen for an AD post up right it was let's get Russ and Anthony Davis going downhill I loved it, and I thought it really set the tone for how we played. You pointed out the ghost screens that we, were, we ran a couple of times in the first quarter that were other examples of that. Russ had a 15-assist, 3 turnover night. Taylin has been wonderful. We'll get into him more as the show goes on. But I was really thrilled offensively, even though we didn't hit shots with our shooters, with just kind of the, the concept of, of that game and how we attacked.
2: I was definitely encouraged by yesterday's game. I feel like I sound like a broken record because I haven't been upset, really, about any of these losses, so to speak. I think all of them can be contextualized properly. When viewed through the right lens, you see or you get the gist of what occurred that game. I, too, was happy with a lot of the stuff the Lakers were doing on the offensive side of the ball. That action that I was describing before, like the Lakers... One of the things that they can do is, you've mentioned this a lot, Pete, but there's like foot speed issues with the team. Mm-hmm. And we often think of foot speed issues in very specific on-ball ways, right? Like either defensively or um, offensively in your ability to to create separation when when you have the ball, or if it's off-ball work, it's more, can you... Get to the corner on a closeout. Yeah, out. can he or, sprint
1: on the wing on right. offense, right to, to deep corner? Sure.
2: But basketball, and this is true in soccer, Mike. So I'd love to get your thoughts about this as, is as, as well. We often talk about advantage, and advantage within basketball, similar to soccer, doesn't necessarily have to mean like, oh, I have advantage on the ball. It's creating sep- You can create separation and gain advantage at any spot on the floor. Right. And so the the ghost screen actions that the Lakers were running, they actually start with screen to screener actions with with RAM screen actions. Right. And so A.D. is setting screens for Carmelo Anthony in order to give Carmelo Anthony space to then come set a screen for Russ in order to give Russ some space and create. Create micro advantages within a single set. And I think that that's one way the team can start to account for some of the speed and quickness deficiencies Mm -hmm. that they have within the half court. And so, Mike, am am I off base there a little bit, even in like comparing it to soccer where – you you do all of the, you do so much work in soccer off the ball. Like let me run into open space here, and then the ball is going this way, and you're always trying to create advantages all over the pitch in order to then set yourself up to be in a scoring position, and that may be way later down well, well, well down the road. And so I, I I liked some of the Lakers' offensive approach from that perspective in in yesterday's game with can we create micro advantages within a possession and they have to do more of that especially without LeBron because he is he is an a singular advantage creator
3: with with the ball well first of all Pete welcome to Boston buddy okay
1: uh yeah it's you know that's This is the first time I think I've looked at Boston in real time. (laughs) If that makes sense, right? Like it's not. I'm holding my
3: computer to show him movie. uh, Downtown Boston out of my hotel room right now. In the Darius, how would you describe the look on his face? Like it disgust.
2: Yeah, there's a certain mix of disgust and vitriol. Yeah, vitriol. Yeah,
1: there's like decades of pent up angst just. It's Just, it's the fuel for the pettiness, right? Yes, like yes. the pettiness <laughs> is the final stage of this yes. look on my face. Yeah. Yes.
3: Yeah. Green beer. But thank you actually, for that, Mike. That, it, yeah. If he drinks green <laughs> beer, it, it gives him that same feeling. So <laughs> Darius, your soccer analogy is apt. And the way – so in soccer, it's all about creating chances. And the best teams now have – the best coaches who are able to build in uh, certain styles and certain movements that put – put the most amount of players possible um, in, an att- in an attacking space, yet still allow space within that scheme. And that requires a lot of movement and is really difficult and takes a lot of, uh, of training. And then of course the ones that end up being the best out of those are the ones that can finish. And the Lakers were creating all kinds of good looks. They just couldn't finish. And after the game, mm-hmm. now, like so, there were a couple at the rim, but it was mostly on wide open threes that were created in the guys that you want shooting. The wide Mm -hmm. open threes. That's basketball, man. Yeah, yeah. And like Monk and Ellington were both one for seven, and that's the game. That that is the game. Like there are other things sure that play out there. I mean, Mello was two for eight. At this point, I think I'm not expecting Mello to be hitting at that kind of a rate, given what he's given what uh, toll he's had on his legs up until the point where LeBron gets back. I'm there with you. Mm -hmm. He can get slotted back to the bench, but I do expect that Monk and Ellington. Are going to find a way to hit more of those shots. So that that part was frustrating, but I think the fact that they're creating those looks is certainly is certainly a good thing and, and portends towards what they've been trying to get to with this system. I think there's a reason why Russell Westbrook had what Frank Vogel called his best game uh, of the season in that they're starting to learn how to create that space for Russ, how to let him attack his guy, um, and like so that stuff is starting to happen. My concern comes more on the defensive end, and I think that's going to be the theme for the rest of the season, uh, given where where this team is at and and this just the big change that they've had. But Pete, I don't want to get off point on that yet, unless you want to go there.
1: No, Mike, I actually would like tomorrow's episode to be entirely about how the hell do you keep people out of the paint when you go small, and what are some of the strategies? Because I think that part of the fundamental shift that we're going through is going to be on the defensive end uh, in terms of. Like so like Vogel's defense you funnel you funnel toward your bigs, right? Like that's the whole point of what you're doing on the perimeter. We're not going to give you shit from behind the three-point line. We're going to chase you off of there and then you're going to have to take a shot over this 7-foot athlete with a 7-6 wingspan. Good luck. While that guy who chased you over the top of the screen is breathing down your neck from behind, right? But like, why would you funnel if you're small, right? We're more of a containment defense, naturally, with this roster, and it's just a completely different way of playing defense. We went to the 2-3 zone yesterday in the third, and it was really successful. Let's have a whole pod about this tomorrow, because it's a super interesting topic that if we're going to have 80 at the 5, Lakers have to be good at this in order to have a chance. But to bring it back to Russ and THT, Russ in particular, for his part, we've talked so much, D, about what the Lakers need to do for Russ, that... I think that there's a worthy conversation of what does Russ owe the Lakers in this process of of getting better? I thought he, his decision making, he passed up a ton of shots where he could have taken a pull up jumper. So he turned it over that first play of the game where Giannis, uh, ate him up on, on the, you know, that play that was drawn up. He tried to find, uh, Avery, I think, on a baseline cut where it wasn't there and it got deflected and he had two turnovers in the first, like, Four minutes of the game, and only one for the rest of that game. I thought his decision making and when he attacks is super important. His early attacks, when he's like isolated on Conaton, that's the time to go. And he was choosing to go and be really aggressive against him. The and those attacks are coming from the wings. The elbow pull up when it's kind of stagnant and they've gone under. He was passing that shot up a a lot. Did you or am I seeing what I wanted to see there? Or did you see that as well? I think that that's spot at the dawn. The thing with Russ,
2: and I think this is the part about Russell Westbrook that is probably frustrating to those who are not as kind about what his contributions are to winning basketball, is that he will have a game like this. He'll have plenty of games like this over the course of the regular season. And then two weeks later, he'll have a game where, oh, guess what? That pull-up jumper is back. Because there is a game within the game that Russell Westbrook often plays.
1: Yes. That's true of any player, too. It is true of any player. Or From your decision makers, right? Like LeBron plays a similar game within the game in terms yes. of like, this is how I'm going to attack. They're the decision makers of not just that you attack, but how you go about it.
3: LeBron's game like that, though, doesn't lose, your, you, lose you the game very often, though you know? No, no, no. LeBron's way better at it.
1: I'm just saying that like one is a 10 out of 10 at that and the other is not a 10 out of 10 at that, but they do have the same type of job, at least historically throughout Russell's career.
2: The thing I appreciated about Russell's game yesterday, and I'd love to get your thoughts about this, this part of it as well, is that the team-centric nature of his decision-making was super strong. Like there was a... I don't know if this is what was happening in his head, but there was a playing out of scenario. There was scenario playing out, right? There there was game theory happening within the game of if I do this, the likelihood is that and then the possession ends, right? And so how do you work around that? And he found the right decision more often than not, I thought.
1: Let's take a quick break. When we come back, I want you to get into that a little bit, D. that idea of like, what is it? Because I think being able to see what Russell Westbrook does well is important, just in the overall conversation. And the specifics of it, I want to get into that more. Let's take a break, we'll come back and do that. Lakers basketball is finally back. And there's no need to exhaust yourself by searching all over the internet to find Lakers tickets anymore, because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site, and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their NBA tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices on the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in purchase price. I'm excited to see this Lakers squad get out in transition this year, and there's nothing like seeing a great fast-breaking team in person. Visit TickPick.com slash LFR today and use promo code LFR to save $10 on your first order of Lakers tickets.
2: Are you looking for ways to skip the trip to the post office and dodge all that hectic holiday shopping traffic? Why not save time and money with Stamps.com? Stamps.com lets you compare rates, print labels, and access exclusive discounts on UPS and USPS services all year long. It just makes sense, especially if your business sends more mail and packages during the holidays. Whether you're selling online or running an office or side hustle, Stamps.com can save you so much time, money, and stress during the holidays. Access all the post office and UPS shipping services you need without taking the trip and get discounts you can't find anywhere else, like up to 40% off USPS rates and 76% off UPS. Save time and money this holiday season with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code FILMROOM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter the code filmroom.
1: So you're talking about the game within the game. Russell Westbrook is not considered a game manager type point guard. In fact, in many respects, he's one of the worst point guards in the league at some of the conventional aspects of game management. But there's part of his game management that I think is absolutely brilliant in terms of how he positions his body, how open he gets his teammates, how he's able to see and, and find advantage and be very accurate with his passes. Talk to me about that, Dee, about that idea of the game within the game that Russ plays, that plays into his decision-making.
2: There are just so many times where he doesn't get enough credit for the things that he's doing offensively that actually matter and help you right? Mm-hmm. And I thought the game against the Bucks was the perfect example of the Lakers lost. Russ probably isn't going to get any accolades for how he played. I'm glad Vogel brought up the idea that like it was one of his better games. And it was because it was not just from a stat stand, standpoint, but from the micro decisions in each possession, which is what we're talking about here, right? And so those ideas of attack here, is the advantage there all the way to to the rim. Oh, it is. Wait, okay, so now I'm in the rim or I'm I'm in the restricted area. No, the finishing angles not not there. Jump stop, head fake is the shot there, it's not reverse pivot, flare out, right? Reset. And there are so many of those where it's just like, "Okay, well, that keeps the possession alive." That's right. right. And the Lakers the Lakers are losing the possession battle almost every game because they're a high turnover team and they're a bad rebounding team, right? And so, these are two areas where you actually need Russell Westbrook a lot. You need him to help on the backboards mm-hmm. and you need him to make better decisions as a passer and as a as a ball security player, as a game manager, right? And it's 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 silly to say and this is a football analogy, you're, you're not going to try to turn Michael Vick into Trent Dilfer, right? right? And so he's never going to be a game manager guy. But what you want is to choose those moments where now is the time to break out and scramble versus, no, now's the time to throw it out of bounds and keep the drive alive, right? Because I'm not going to run around and take a sack here. That's, that's bad game management. And I thought the ga- I thought this game against the Bucks, Mike, was one of Russ's better game management from a decision-making perspective because empty possessions are what's going to kill the Lakers right now. And they got more chances, I thought, within the number of possessions that, that they had. And just like you said, it was the finishing that let them down. It wasn't the process that let them down. And that was encouraging to me.
3: Yeah, and I think because what you said earlier about Russ not getting credit sometimes for the good plays that he makes, I just think about the nature of getting an assist. And if you have 15 of them, and, and we – at this point, I think we kind of gloss over that. And that means that he much. put the he put the ball in a position for somebody to score you know, and have a good look and have a good shot 15 times, and, and it actually happened, which means there were probably several other plays where somebody didn't score off that. And so that is an, an incredible skill. That is an incredible talent. It also means that he had the ball a lot and that his usage is really high, and that's going to tick back some when LeBron gets back. And so can he stay, though, in that ratio? So can it be 10 assists to two turnovers? Or can it be seven assists to, I'm not going to say one turnover, but okay, <laughs> seven assists to two turnovers on
2: certain well, three nights? three to one is normally where you, wa- you want... Yeah. You want your lead ball handlers to live in that 3 to 1 area if if they're a dynamic player, right? You can be Monty Morris or Tyus Jones and be 4 to 1 or 5 to 1. But guess what? You are that's when you're the Trent Dilfer. That's then. right. You're not
1: taking chances, which yes. is really what that means.
2: Yes, and and so for a dynamic player, 3 to 1 is fine. On some nights, 2 to 1 is fine if you're actually kicking the other team's ass, right? And Russ has that in him too. But I just want to make that point that you don't want to neuter him as a decision maker. What you want is is for him personally to be sharper, right? And there has been a sharpness that is just lacking in him too many games this season particularly in the ones where LeBron has missed so many games and you'll never expect Russ to be LeBron but he needed to inch a little bit closer in that direction and against the Bucks he was almost all the way there really it was a lot of I see it happening and now I'm going to move everything around to make sure that it goes a certain way
3: Right. And as there and as this progresses this season and LeBron right now, it sounds like 50 50, according to Dave McMenamin, And apparently LeBron said, uh, I've read in the L.A. Times this morning, somebody caught him on the way out and asked if he was going to play in Boston. He said, I don't know. We'll see. So if he doesn't play in that game, uh, then we're we're kicking it to the next one. And I was listening to on the on the flight back. I was listening to uh, my beautiful, dark, twisted fantasy. And so the line comes up. Too many Urkles on your team. That's why your wins low. Which is one of my favorite lines, and I di- <laughs> like that does apply directly to the NBA. So if you have too many guys out there that can't play or that can't shoot, and even this goes in the sense of like Russ's assist or somebody else, then like those weak spots are going to drag you down. And I-, I just would, I think we would all love them to get to the point. Where it's fewer Urkles and it's just more, it's more guys <laughs> that you're that you're used to um, out there. And by the way, shout out to Semi Ojole 0 for seven uh, last night. That was not helping Milwaukee um, any time that he was on the floor. Right, were part were times that the Lakers were able to come back.
1: We're going to talk about a Semi Ojole post up in tomorrow's episode because that's one of the uh, examples of how to how to play small ball. Right. Anyway, uh, I'm glad you brought up the Urkles because the tenor of this episode has been really overwhelmingly positive in part because our shooting from good shoot, like that's part of basketball. Your shooters are going to have games where they go four for 22 on their shots. When normally on the same quality looks, they'd go 10 for 22 and then you win by eight, right? That's basketball. That's going to happen. We lost that game in particular during the Urkel lineups, right? We were, we were up like 22 to 12 to start that game. And then the end half of that first quarter is when Giannis is getting to the rim over and over again. We're going to talk about all that tomorrow. And then we're getting our butts kicked at the start of the second quarter and the fourth quarter because Vogel takes, and I, it's a justifiable approach, right? of we're down so many guys. There've been a couple of games where Vogel has just had like a four minute stretch yeah. where I call them survival lineups yes. that I'm almost certain are done to preserve the integrity of the other 20 minutes in that half where it's like, I can get the lineups that I want for 20 minutes. Then we've got this four minute stretch where it's just Frankenstein. Pete, this is what the warriors did last season mm-hmm. when they sat Steph and Draymond
2: together. And it's just like, you just hope to survive. Yeah, During those minutes lineups because yeah. you don't have enough talent on your team to actually say we can we can spread this out. We could play all of these other guys. What you really want to do is win those other 40 minutes. You want to win those 40 minutes by enough that the minutes mm-hmm. that you
1: almost expect to lose. Like that's the game they're playing. Anyway, I, I I think that THT could be on the floor Me during too. those lineups, right? Like I I I see where he's going, and I think it's it's totally you know understandable. But I think just having one guy on the floor that can get his own would be a, a huge help. Nonetheless, that's where that game was lost. Mike is that stretch of of the game, and that's why. When I looked at the starters, when I looked at the lineups that were more like these are the guys that are going to play or didn't have two or three guys on the floor that weren't going to play, I, I was really in, encouraged by that.
3: The one stretch that I thought, if you want to say like the worst stretch of the game where they lost it, was was actually the end of the second quarter. When Bobby Portis went on like a personal assault and they couldn't clear a defensive rebound and they went from basically being down one with five, with four minutes left to being down 11 um, at the half. So that wasn't one of those those lineups.
1: That's fair. But the 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 second quarter, the beginning of the second quarter and the beginning of the fourth quarter were where those leads were lost. Let's talk about that end of second quarter lineup, though, D. We were giving up. ah, It's hard to do this without getting into the uh, into the defensive stuff. Mike, let's table that for tomorrow. It's I I want to talk about about that lineup in particular, because I know you have uh, concerns about our ability to protect the rim. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about uh, about THT.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: D. can play. Yes. Tailin. if Tailin is what he... Part of what impressed me about last night's game is that the nature of Milwaukee is they are a rim protection team. They're that big physical dominant team that that we won with a couple of years ago that I know Mike is your like you like domination around the rim, right? And being able to protect the rim and to, to be able to attack it. Milwaukee's one of those teams. And so your their team. ability to protect <laughs> their ability to protect the rim plays like that's Think about how that matches up with THT's game and with Russell Westbrook's game. That's the strength of their game too. So oftentimes, before we, uh, when we recorded yesterday, I was like, oh, I'm worried we're going to get smoked in this game because the strength of their defense takes away what we're good at, or like what our best players right now are good at. And you were a lot more optimistic about it, D. And a big part of why that game went the way that it did and it was as competitive as it was is Taylor Horton Tucker, man. He looks good. He can play. The
2: conversation about Alex Caruso will like I feel like it's almost like the Luca Doncic and Trey Young conversation like anytime you bring up one name you're going to have to bring up the other and so we bring up THT and inevitably Caruso's name is going to come up. The Lakers didn't make a bad choice by saying we want to keep Taylor and Horton-Tucker. We can talk all we want about Alex Caruso, but saying we want THT on our team, mm-hmm. that's a good choice. That's a mm-hmm. good decision. This kid is a marvelous offensive player, and he has worked on his game over the last two summers in ways where you see the growth exponentially. And it reminds me of that story that like Tony Allen told on Chris Vernon's radio show so where good. he was watching him in the G League. South Bay Lakers were playing the Memphis Hustle down in Memphis. And THT looked over at TA and was just like, I ain't even supposed to be here.
1: Yeah, THT's right? going off. He's and in the he, middle of going nuts. Yeah.
2: Yes, he's and he's got like 40 points that game or 30 something points. And that sort of THT had that sort of confidence in game for the G League. He did not quite have that for the actual league, right? And so he was what you would call a quadruple a player. Right, where it's just like, Mm -hmm. you're not quite a big leagues guy yet, but the talent is definitely there. He's a big league player now, Pete, and he's looking like a five-tool player if we're going to keep the baseball analogy going. Mm -hmm. Because not only was he showing what he could do offensively, Mike, he had some really, really good defensive possessions where he is he is leveraging the tools that he has defensively in ways that are going to be super important to this Lakers team. And I'm very interested to see what his role looks like when LeBron comes back. It's almost like, can you not start this guy and get away with it? I'm not actually sure at this point. He is showing to be comfortable shooting the three ball. Both off the dribble and as a spot-up guy, he is a devastating rim seeker in early transition and transition offense. He's one of the only guys who can get to the basket all on his own and is strong enough and plays with enough force that it's hard to actually not get bumped off by him when he is going to the basket. He knocked off Chris Middleton a couple of times. And I sent this in our... Group chat, but towards the end of that game, Pete, you mentioned that they had Connaughton guarding Russell Westbrook. You know why they had that happen is because they put (laughs) Drew Holiday on THT, and that tells you all you need to know Mm -hmm. about how much of a threat that they thought THT was that game, that Mm. they put Drew freaking Holiday on him. Not Chris Middleton, not anyone, and they actually put then... Connaughton on Russ and it's just like okay well this is how you see it going and so the other coach tells you what they think of you by how they defend you offensively and in the same way that oh AD was isolated against Giannis and I saw a lot of strong side zone help right that's not to say Giannis can't handle AD on his own but they're just like yeah guess what
1: you're not gonna beat us tonight
2: We're still going to we're still going to make it super hard for you. The other coach shows you what they think of you, every single possession. And if you watch the game, that's another game within the game. Mm -hmm. And so look out for stuff like that about where the matchups are. But, Mike, I want to hear your thoughts about THT because I've been rambling.
3: Well, I first just just shout out to Jesse Buss uh, once again and the Lakers scouting department. And I I mean, so THT they got him at pick number forty six. And part of the reason why they got him is because they scout great and they actually watch guys in person. And but when the draft came along, THT was hurt; uh, his foot was hurt. People didn't know how long he was going to be out, and that certainly impacted him. But the Lakers said, "Nope, like we're not, we're not letting that talent get past us." And they took him. And here he is, guys. He we as the day that we're recording this, THT will turn twenty one in a week. Um, so he's still 20. Uh, that was what his age was at the time. And his, I just tweeted, I tweeted a couple moments ago his averages for this season. So three games, small sample size, but still to me, all the more impressive because he didn't have a preseason. He basically played like two and a half preseason games. And so he didn't have any ramp up time. We always talk about how you can't replicate NBA action and it takes guys a while to get going. Well, well not him, apparently. And he played a back to back for his first two. And then bounces back at Milwaukee. You guys already described their defense. So 23 points on 49% from the field. He's making 40% of his threes. He's made all 12 of his free throws, which is very significant for the way that he plays because teams are going to have to follow him Mm -hmm. um, when he, when he gets inside to go to the rim, he's rebounding the basketball 7.3 boards. His, you know, he's, he's not really passing a ton, but he hasn't, that's not what his role has been at this time. I think when LeBron comes back, we'll maybe see a little bit more passing but the after the game I asked him and sometimes this is a, a bit of a lead like I, I thought I knew what the answer was going to be so it's a little bit of a leading question but it's like hey did you think that you were going to improve this much uh, and THG is not he, he is a pretty humble person when you ask him a question he'll give a short answer he's not going to get into it too much but he's also not going to just say something he doesn't think and he very quickly said yes I, I did expect this amount of improvement And the reason is because I, I trust my work. I trust the work that I put in, in the summertime, which is music to coach Pete's ears uh, as he nods. He's
1: (laughs) so good, man.
3: And I I wanted to, I thought he was going to get better, but I, in the Darius mold kind of wanted to see how much better he got for this regular season until I, I thought that he could really take on the defensive duty that Frank Vogel and Rob Palenka had mentioned. And that might be the end of the floor that I'm that I'm even more excited about because that's going to be part of and, and also the three point shooting because that's going to be what they do need when LeBron comes back. So I am all the way on board with him starting when LeBron comes back, and I think LeBron starts for Mello, and then THT could just start for Bradley, and you could play that way because I don't have a player Pete that's better on both ends of the court that I'm going to come up, that I'm going to bring off the bench to THT. I just don't. Do you?
1: No, and it's funny. One of the more interesting parts of Kobe's career to me all these years later is before he was Kobe, meaning the first before his first title in particular. And D, maybe you remember it was either his second or his third season. Rick Fox broke his hand and Fox was the starting small forward on the team. And in terms of the depth chart, Kobe was behind Eddie Jones and Fox, who had both and the Lakers were trying to be a, a title team. Right. Shaq was on the squad. Kobe's development had to occur within a team with title aspirations. Very similar context to Taylor On a lot of other teams in the league, Talon would have averaged 15 to 17 points per game last season because he would have had the ball and would have had the touches to that degree. Different development arc when you're on a team that's competing for, for something. And Kobe started that year just gangbusters. He was so good to start that season. And that was the conversation. Is like, Well, shit, how do we put this guy back on the bench? Right. Like, sure. Fox is good. Sure. Eddie Jones. Everybody loves Eddie Jones. But how do you put him back on the bench? And that's in in many ways, like talent makes a leap that's undeniable that cream rising to the top that he's going to force some some hands on that. I want to talk about his defense real quick because I think that he, yeah. Darius, I think he's essential to small ball working with this team. Because just because you don't go small doesn't mean that physicality doesn't matter anymore. In fact, in many ways, you have to make more decisions. More, you have to it matters yes, more. It matters and more. And so Taylor is physical as shit. He's so he's such a tank on both ends of the floor on a team that's desperately needed a couple of tanks. And and LeBron's one of those There's, guys, too, that it's part of what makes it work did you see his box out uh, his box outs on Giannis and he had a couple of there were some plays where Giannis went over the top of him and that's something that DeRozan yeah. did too that's going to be a weakness of his right in terms of evaluating of what can and can't he do defensively but he he had a his career high in rebounding he was boxing guys out he can do some of the physical things the strength things that you need from a player that can also handle the ball and bust your ass on the other end of the floor so that's a super unique weapon man
2: He is a forceful player in a team that needs to be built around force in whatever way they're going to play. You're going to play big, you better play with force. You're going to play smaller, you better play with force. You've got LeBron James and Russell Westbrook on your team. You have Anthony Davis, who is, I think, being maligned for things that are basically just like, have you not watched Anthony Davis his His whole career, some of this stuff is just what he is as as a player. THT, though, when defensively, the things that he understands is that he's got big, strong hands and long arms, and he understands how to use his body in ways that are going to absorb contact and then stalemate you and so i don't know if you guys ever did this but when i was a kid i'd turn on prime ticket and Mm -hmm. there'd be some just random sport on surfing kelly would be on
1: (laughs) yes or beach volleyball Uh karch karai and all them dudes yeah or sumo wrestling was billy mack up in that Billy Mack and Paul Sunderland, former Lakers play-by-play guy too. They they were both uh, part of that. Uh, I'm I'm almost certain with Billy Mack. I know for sure with Paul Sunderland. Yeah,
3: I just Billy talks about the times where he just covered everything for prime ticket like every sport every every role just yeah, all the he, time and I, wish, for, I wish i wish i could have watched he that. was
1: always the fill-in guy F- forgive me d he was always the fill-in guy for like all those different sports right he he was the guy who called kobe's 81 game right like joel My- yeah joel myers was out and and that was he was there for kobe's 81 yeah billy mack hustled for all those sports anyway continue you're watching the good old days of prime ticket and Prime ticket, ESPN, all of these things
2: flip around, random sports are on, right? Oh, skeet shooting's yeah. on. I'm gonna watch Some skeet darts. shooting, yeah. right? Oh, like <laughs> sumo wrestling's yeah. on. I'm gonna watch sumo wrestling. And THT, he is, in his own way, a little e Honda out there for my street fighting <laughs> days. He is a dude who he will, he's got these big, strong hands, these long arms, and when you get into him, he does not move. And he, and there are, when you watch Subo, there are constant stalemates. These guys go, they bull rush each other, they they load up, and then boom, they are there in the middle of the ring and no one's moving at all. And THT, when he is in his bag defensively, as they say, he, he makes you play at the same height and level that he is, right? And so... When DeRozan put him in the torture chamber some, he was just like, "Nah, I'm too crafty for you. I am ball faking you and I am freezing you to the ground where you're comfortable. But I am now going over the top of you and you don't have anything for that. Right. And but when THT is able to stunt you and keep you down with him, there's no moving him and then when you both are the same level he's got these other tools that are like oh i'm poking the ball away now now we're in a scrum and it's just like well shit where'd the ball go oh it got kicked between your legs or now we're in a jump ball or so there is a there is a strength and power element to him there's a force To him and you see it most on offense but if the Lakers are going to be their the best versions of themselves this year that same force needs to show up defensively and needs to show up when guys are trying to drive into him that he is bumping them off that he is turning them around that he is going to keep guys in front of him in the way that Anthony Davis talked about post game that is going to matter for the team's overall ceiling on defense to raise up a couple of notches
3: Darius just stacked analogy on analogy on analogy. It's it's like Inception. You're just
1: dropping from one level to the
3: next. (laughs) It's great. Uh, I I actually was teaching my kids how to play Street Fighter Two the other day, and my wife jumped in for one game, and I had her choose E Honda just so she could because one of the simplest moves. Is when you just just tap, just tap the button hard, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and you can win. You can win a whole couple rounds with that until you learn how to jump off the wall with Chun Li. Uh, but I'll I'll get off that one for now. The hands with Tht. There is an element I thought I think of when I see him play in that sense of Kawhi because of the hands mm-hmm. and because of the power and because of the base. And LeBron can do that when he wants to too. But that's I think that was something that early in his career Kawhi got sort of known for and. You know, look, we're we're mentioning names like Kobe and Kawhi right now. We're talking about THG. Clearly, it's exciting uh, where he could still get to, but I I don't think it's I don't think it's extra to to be thinking at least in the in the immediate way for what this kid still uh, can get accomplished. And you know, I I do think that it changes the outlook. Some if you just look at where the Lakers are right now, they're five hundred. The easiest part of their schedules is gone. We don't know for sure if LeBron's coming back uh, next game. They're, but he has provided some light uh, in this when you extrapolate things out to the long term.
1: Very much so. We've had a few guys who have gone elsewhere between Julius and B.I., D'Angelo, several other players you know, that are, that are quality role players around the league. We've had some young players come through here in the not-too-distant past, and he's the best at this age of any of them and that's not to say that it becomes something more or bigger down the line i think but i think that the the sky is really the limit for him there's a lot of places where he can still grow and so yeah him if he's making that third year leap that has major ramifications for the team that it that does. may not even it may not feel like it right now cuz this season has kind of sucked on several levels but it it going forward it's it's super important I'm really looking forward to tomorrow's conversation about the idea of rim protection and using that Milwaukee game. We'll talk about that uh, end of the first half where we let go of the rope a bit Um, a lot to talk about defensively with this team that I thought that game was a, a really interesting one to zoom in on and kind of pull your magnifying glass out for. And tomorrow we'll do just that here on the Laker film room podcast.
2: The has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic, Worthy dies on his belly, Magic scores. And Magic, got it. Magic fires, again. in, the Lakers win the game! The Lakers win the game! Three seconds left, That next to the winner, it. it's on the way, down! 48 points,
3: 16 rebounds.
0: There's the it's move. Scored. Two, one, miss it. Unbelievable. For the victory. It's over. And shot popping out of five. Brian. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to <laughs>
3: injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic.